Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. It will be like the Garden of Eden. Just incredible, beautiful. See, this is the answer to the prayer we started with. Thy kingdom, tell me, come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This would be the first time since the Garden of Eden where the will of God is done on earth. Jesus Christ will rule with an iron scepter. He will be here for a thousand years with us. What will Jesus' reign on earth look like after his second coming? Today, Pastor Mark will give listeners a descriptive look at the promised reign of Christ that is to come. The earth that we're familiar with today will look much different when Jesus is finally king on the throne. If you want to experience this kingdom of God on the new earth, you must place your faith in Jesus Christ today. Life will not be pretty for those who choose to ignore the call of God on their lives and choose this world over the next. Don't get caught valuing the treasures of this earth when there is far greater to come. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark with his continuing study entitled Armageddon, Second Coming and the Millennium. And I saw heaven standing open. Only two times in Revelation does the Bible give us a picture of the heavens opening. One at the rapture and here at the second coming. And there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. And with justice, he judges and makes war. This is obviously none other than Jesus Christ. Notice this picture. Here's the sequence where we're at. This is a great picture. The event at the end of the tribulation finally brings the promise of the prayer that we talked about. Your kingdom come. As you look over here, we've finished the tribulation. We're in the last days All of this has happened, and right here is the glorious appearing of Christ. He is coming to this earth, and you're going to see a moment he's not coming alone. Now notice verse 14. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses, and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Who's who's in this army? It's the same people that were around the throne. It's all the followers of Christ. You say, Pastor Mark, I never rode a horse before. (laughs) You're going to ride one. It's going to be great. And by the way, 
How many of you think you look good in white? Some of you ladies go, look, I'm a summer. I I don't look good in white. Relax. You're going to look great. You're going to be in linen, and you're going to be in white, and so am I. Now, remember, Pastor Mark, I don't have my makeup on. I can't look good in white. You got your glorified body. That's why women will never be late in that tribulation when it's over, because you don't have any makeup to put on. And it's a beautiful, peaceful thing in heaven then. Hallelujah. We're coming back. Now listen, have you ever seen an army dressed in white linen? Who would, where's the fatigues? You got to be kidding me. You know why? Because you're going to see today, out of the mouth of the Lord, the word of the Lord comes and the battle is done. One powerful word from the Lord. We don't get in the battle at all. Reminds me of a scripture, does it you? The battle is the Lord's. So we're not going to fight. We're just going to come back with him and see it. It is going to be, guys, we are going to be in that army. That's unbelievable. It's going to happen. We're going to be there and it's going to be an incredible picture. Well, scoot on down to verse 19. Then I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies from all over the world gathered together to make war, notice, against the rider on the horse and against his army. The world, including obviously Satan, who rules the world today, hates Christians, hates Christ. Oh, you can say God. That's fine. Do not use the C word or the Jesus word. This is why the Antichrist is coming. He wants to defeat Jesus Christ. In an attempt to prevent Christ from taking control of, quote, his earth, the beast allies with all these armies of the world to make war against the Lord, against his army, and to destroy Jerusalem. Where does this battle focus? Well, as I said to you, it's the whole range, but it does focus in the battle uh, called Armageddon or the Valley of Megiddo. Napoleon called it the greatest battlefield of the world. And we know that it will be there, and of course it will be more than that. In fact, we know that even in Jerusalem there will be hand-to-hand fighting during these last days that the enemy is trying to Keep his world, but Jesus is coming to free it. Now, turn back with me to Matthew 24. What will that look like? What will these battles look like? What's going to take place? Down to verse 27. Vera, down to verse 27. For as lightning that comes from the east is visible... Even in the West, so that already tell you that the second coming of Jesus will be very visible. In fact, we know to every eye. So will be this coming of the Son of Man. Verse 28. Wherever there is a carcass, there the vultures will gather. And immediately after the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened. The moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky. And the heavenly bodies will be shaken. 
You see, right at the end, the disaster that's going to face the world is unheard of. It's going to be horrible. You already know that one half of the world's population is going to be killed. One half. Notice, in this picture and then the second picture here, you kind of see maybe an asteroid from that movie, Armageddon. Well, notice what this verse says. It says, stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. When these last days come, every city in the world will be leveled. The mountains fall down, all because of cosmic and earthquakes that God allows to happen. The vultures. Why the vultures? The vultures will be flying around and cleaning up the carcasses. It's hard for us to imagine, but the Bible gives us this illusion that in the valley of Megiddo, for many miles, the blood will flow as high as the horse's bridle. We've never seen anything like it. There's other pictures in Ezekiel and some of the Old Testament prophets that men's sockets, eye sockets, will melt within them. So some kind of nuclear things are going to be taking place as well as cosmic. Well, look at 30. Right at this time, look at verse 30. At that time, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky. And here we see something very unusual. And all the nations of the earth will mourn. And they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds, notice, with power and with great glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of the heavens to the other. Now why will all the nations mourn? When they see their earth destroyed, everything that they had put their faith into, gone, we know that Babylon, the symbol of one world economy, will be totally destroyed. So the one world government's gone, the one world economy's gone, and the one world religion is gone. There's nothing left for them. And they see Jesus coming, they put two and two together, all of this is part of the picture, they go, "Uh uh-oh, we mourn because we were wrong. The problem is, it's too late. Their hearts have been hardened. Judgment is here. You see, there comes a day in a person's life when it's too late to change. That's because our hearts get hard. We even know, we studied it last week, during some of these things, people shake their fist at God. I don't even believe in you, but I'm mad at you. Just exactly like Pharaoh did in the Old Testament when the plagues came. Get these people out of Egypt. Well, Zechariah tells us that Jerusalem, the Jews, the temple, and Israel have always been the focus of prophecy. But something amazing happens when God sends Jesus back for his people. You see, in the book of Romans 9, 10, 11, we're told that God isn't through with the nation of Israel. See, they're always his people. And he comes back to rescue them. Now, they have to believe. Some will refuse to do that. But many Jews will come to faith. The Jewish people will finally recognize Jesus as their Messiah. You see, when he came the first time, Jesus said this. 
I came to my own, but my own did not receive me. So they missed the first coming. They pierced him, as you see. They were part of the people that caused Christ to be crucified. Second, we come to the early part of the tribulation. The man of peace comes. He's called the Antichrist. He allows them to rebuild their temple. Who do they think they finally got? Wow, finally the Messiah has come. But then when he stands in that temple and says, worship me, they go, whoops, two strikes. They don't strike out. In this third coming, the second coming, their third opportunity to get it right, they get it right. They recognize Jesus as a Messiah. Now why? Notice, a spirit of grace. God's been graceful on these people. And we know we don't have time today, but you can go all the way through, all the way through chapter 12 and you'll discover this. Then there's a time of national repentance, the Jewish nation, national cleansing, national restoration. They've come back. Those are his people. After all, remember, Jesus is Jewish. And they receive him. Now, that shouldn't surprise us totally because Jesus said this one day. Jesus said, I won't come back until the Jews welcome me in the name of the Lord. Remember on that day when he came down that path and they all put their clothes out and they, Messiah is here, whatever, and a few moments later they said, crucify him. He says, I'm coming back, but I'm not coming back until the Jews say, he is our Lord. We welcome him. This is the day that Jesus was talking about. Now, turn back to Matthew chapter 24. I want to show you how incredible this sequence is. And that Jesus knew it was going to happen. He didn't know all the timings. We already know that. But he knew it was going to happen. In Matthew 24, look down at verse 30. We've already talked about the sign of the man coming, clouds in the sky. He comes back just as he promised. Now, where does Jesus promise that he's coming back? Well, many places. Specifically one that I want to talk to you about today. Acts 1.11. You remember what happened. Jesus is getting ready to go back to heaven. He's been crucified, resurrected, and he gets the disciples together, and he gives them this challenge, be filled with the Spirit so you can go out and change the world. And the very next thing we learn in Acts, about uh, chapter 1, verse maybe 9 and 10, here's what, here's what the, the disciples say. When you coming? When you coming back? When are you going to set up your kingdom? When's the kingdom of God going to start? See, they thought it was going to happen in the next day or two. They just thought it was going to happen. They were excited about it. You know what Jesus says to them? Forget it. It's not, not your, you don't even need to know about this. Because I've got some work for you to do. I want you to go and share the good news. But notice what Jesus says. Here's what he promises. Look at verse 11. What happened is, Jesus, as he says to him, I'm not telling you when I'm going to set up the kingdom. Immediately, picture this now, Kodak moment. He just lifts up in front of them and goes into the sky. This is time for an H word. You don't think you'd be saying that? Hallelujah. What is that? And they're so engrossed with it, the angel has to say to them, Hey, look what he says. Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking up in the sky? This same Jesus. The same Jesus who has been taken from you. Do we know where he went? Into heaven. This same Jesus will come back. Notice. In the same way you have seen him go. Promised. Fulfilled. 
he would come back in the same way, visible, bodily. Everyone can see him. This same Jesus. He promised he's coming back. About 500 or 600 years before Zechariah made this promise. Notice Zechariah 14.4. On that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives. By the way, when Jesus left in Acts 1 and went to heaven, where were his feet before he left? On the Mount of Olives. The very same mountain. He says, on that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, east of Jerusalem, and the Mount of Olives will split in two. From east to west. This is at the end of all the battles. His, he'll go into Jerusalem and stand there, and it will split from, in two from east to west, forming a great valley with half of the mountain moving north and half moving south. 500 years before Jesus, this was predicted. Now, we're 2,000 years past that. Is it going to happen? It is going to happen. And when his feet touch that ground... We know that the world has gone crazy. The mountains are down. The cities are destroyed. There is a fault all the way through. We already know in the Mount of Olives. And what's going to happen is a beautiful picture. I don't have time this morning. But what's going to happen when that mount splits from east to west, what's going to happen is fresh water is going to come out. And you know where it's going to go? It's going to hit the Jordan River. And it's going to go all the way down. And it's going to go into the Dead Sea. And the Dead Sea is going to come alive. So I just want you to write this down today. Sometimes we forget it. God keeps all his promises. Time for an H word. Let me give you a couple promises today. He who began a good work in you will complete it. There is no weapon formed against you that will prosper. Jesus said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Jesus said this through the scriptures. Wisdom is knowing God. Do you need wisdom? James says this, ask, and it will be given. You see, God always keeps his promises. Then we discover in Revelation 1-9, at the start of this great picture that John has, look, he comes with the clouds of heaven, and everyone will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the nations of the world will mourn for him. You see, the second coming is very different than the rapture. The second coming, he actually comes to the earth. And he comes to finish judgment. Over with. Finished. He comes with the saints, not for the saints. Literal. Visible to the entire world. Now, when he comes and he stands on that mountain, what's going to happen to the world? We're coming with him. We will see it. What's it going to be like? Well, turn back to Revelation 19. Let's see how this war ends. Remember all these signs and natural phenomena all over the place? At the end of the battle, it's won. The vultures are out eating the flesh of millions and millions, probably billions of people. Revelation 19, verse 20. But the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet, who had performed the miraculous signs on his behalf. Let me just stop there. With these signs, he deluded those who had received the mark of the beast and worshipped his image. The two of them were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. Pastor Mark, I don't believe in that stuff. 
continue with that, and that's where you will be. See, it's the lake of fire. That's the final destination of all who refuse Jesus Christ. Really? Look at verse 21. The rest of them were killed with the sword that came out of the mouth of the rider on the horse. Remember Jesus? One word, the battle is over. And all the birds gorge themselves on their flesh. You see, Satan and all the armies of the world are totally defeated. God wins. He destroys all the wicked people. They're sent to a place, a holding tank, until the great white throne judgment. None of those people will enter the millennium. Now, many Christians will enter the millennium in their natural bodies. Now, what happens after all of that? Well, go on down to chapter 20, verse 1. So we have two of the unholy trinity taken care of. What about Satan? And I saw an angel coming down out of heaven, having a key to the abyss, or the bottomless pit, and holding in his hand a great chain. And he sees the dragon, the ancient serpent, who is the devil, or Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. Notice an angel does this. Satan is not equal to God. He's a created being. So an angel is able to overpower, just an angel is over to power Satan, because that's all Satan was, was an angel who fell. And he seized that dragon, that ancient servant who was the devil or Satan, and bound him for how long? 1,000 years. That's where the millennium comes in. That's where we, and you'll see the millennium, 1,000 years over and over and over again in this passage, Revelation 20. And he threw him in the abyss or the bottomless pit and locked and sealed it over him to keep him from deceiving the nations anymore until the thousand years were ended. After that, Satan must be set free for a short time. So we'll talk about why God allows him in the end to be freed after a thousand years. So here you have a picture of the defeat of Satan, all the armies, the Antichrist, the false prophet going to the lake of fire. They're done with forever. And the other people who are not believers are set aside. They will be judged later, put in the lake of fire. And Jesus begins this reign on earth. It's a thousand years. It's a place of peace. It's a place of prosperity. It will be like the Garden of Eden. Just incredible, beautiful. See, this is the answer to the prayer we started with. Thy kingdom, tell me, come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This will be the first time since the Garden of Eden where the will of God is done on earth. Jesus Christ will rule with an iron scepter. He will be here for a thousand years with us. I saw heaven standing open and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and makes war. Today, Pastor Mark taught listeners from Revelation 19 using this verse to show Christ's entry onto the earth in the Battle of Armageddon. This battle is expected to take place in the Valley of Megiddo. Will you be riding in with Jesus and other believers when He returns to reign? Maybe you're listening right now and God has placed a certain person on your heart that needs to hear this message. Or maybe you'd like to share it with all of your friends. 
there's a simple way to share this message. Log on to Lessons for Living Radio and click on the radio program option in the main menu. There, you'll find the Lessons for Living media player. In the Messages tab, simply click on today's date. Then you can share today's message directly on your Facebook page, Twitter feed, or send a link via email. You can even embed today's message directly. Again, to share today's message with friends and family members, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Click on the radio program button, then simply click on today's date. You'll find all the options to share. Which kingdom do you belong to? The kingdom of Satan or the kingdom of God? In the next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will challenge listeners to consider what direction they're headed. The great news is that anyone can change kingdoms right now. By repenting and believing in Jesus, you will alter the eternal direction of your life. God's kingdom is far greater and ruled by our selfless, loving, almighty God. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. Here